You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, uh, COVID still here time. Really didn't want to be talking about this stuff time. You know what actually is, is talking about COVID or Tennessee's performance less enjoyable time. Not really sure time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a beautiful, nice, sunny, warm, warm fall, late fall afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Not just me on this podcast from an undisclosed location that we, of course, will not specify. We've got the uh, the one, the only Patrick Brown, our football beat writer extraordinaire for Go Balls 24-7. Pat, what's up, man? Nothing. What? <clears throat> Nothing. Well, that was a great intro. We're off to a flying start here. Yeah, we are. Um, but uh, no, I'm back from the lovely northwest corner of Arkansas. It's a beautiful part of the country. It is. Uh, it, it is. It was pretty nice, uh, especially this time of year. Um, flat, really flat over there. At least until you get to uh, start heading up north to Fayetteville. Um, but uh, but yeah, it it, it was. Uh, my wife is from Johnson City. She came, she came with me to uh, to keep me company and help me drive. Um, that was her choice, not mine. She <laughs> was not about to let me drive ten and a half hours both ways by myself. Um, and we couldn't go uh, with you because of COVID rules. So correct. Uh, I think there were only four Tennessee beat people there. That's that that's so, a that's a record low. Like that, there's usually so, more yeah. basketball games than that. Basketball yeah, road so, games. Yeah. So there was, I think, four of us. There were only three others that I saw. Um, uh, and it, it was it was warm there. We went on a walk Saturday before the afternoon before the game. I was in a t-shirt and shorts. You remember it's November seventh at this point. Um, but uh, and I've been there when it's cold. It's not a fun. It's really place flat. To be. So yeah, my my wife's from Johnson City, so she's used to elevation changes. So she wasn't used to being able to see like flat horizon, literally three hundred sixty degrees around you as you get when you're in eastern and central uh, Arkansas. Yeah, and that's the uh, the Midwest. A lot of the Midwest will, will do that to you. It's kind of it's kind of weird how you can be, especially if you're in kind of a Midwest college town. You'll you'll be in a hotel that's got a few stories up, so you can see like, well, there's the football stadium, there's the basketball stadium, just there's the lights. I mean, you know, it's it's different. It's you you, you can see Arkansas football stadium from the interstate when you're driving in. Uh, it, I've always that's my second game there, and it it. Some other places don't feel like SEC towns. Arkansas still feels like one. I'll get, I'll give them that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think Arkansas is. It, it's a. I, I think the facilities there are great. Now, you know, I think the campus is nice. I, I think it's, you know, kind of quietly. I, I've told people for years and years that you know I, I think living in Knoxville, covering Tennessee, I think objectively is one of the top three or so places to be in the SEC. I think in just terms of things to do in the town. Um, you know, not too big, not too small. You got enough for every everybody. Depends on what kind of your what your personality's like. But I, I've always told people that Arkansas would be higher on that list for me than people would imagine because you got to go there to kind of see it. It's not. I mean, you have to you have to go to get there. I mean, it's not convenient at all. 
Um, you know, if you fly in the airport's small, you know, it's, it's, it's tucked over there near Oklahoma, but, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a nice place once you get there. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not like Auburn or Oxford where it's like the college town and that's it. There's nothing to do. Um, there's a college town. You have to drive a little bit to get to some of these other places. It's like all right up the interstate there with mm-hmm. you're from Fayetteville to Springdale, then Rogers slash Bentonville, a lot of Walmarts over there. Um, but yeah, so nice time not so nice time for the vols though yeah and, at least and, in the second half and we're we're going to talk a, a lot about that you know th- there's a lot of things in this podcast that are that are not going to be fun to discuss we got to discuss why tennessee's lost four consecutive <laughs> games we have to discuss why tennessee has lost uh, kentucky and arkansas we got to discuss why some things are not going the way they're supposed to be going and we have to discuss some uh, COVID-19 concerns that are popping up uh, around the league, including at uh, Texas A&M, where Tennessee is. Before we do that, though, I, I do want to get to a bit of good news. If you are someone who is saying, give me some good news, I want some good news, it's been forever since I've had some, here is some good news. Tennessee quarterback commitment Caden Salter, who is just a fantastic prospect in my opinion he is unbelievably fun to watch on film the guy can run a little bit he can throw you can hear Gus barking in the background now which I guess means the mailman is here but here is the comment from Caden Salter that he tweeted on Monday don't question me about my commitment and loyalty toward Tennessee I'm locked in no matter the wins or losses we're taking I want to build my own legacy and not jump into something that's already been built hashtag VFL Pat your thoughts uh, it's good to hear that. As you mentioned, it, it's Tennessee needs any bit of positive information it can take right now. Um, and even the cynical retort to what Salter posted is, well, of course he's still locked in. He, he probably thinks he can come in and start next season, which might actually be true. But, um, uh, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's a good thing. I think uh, Miles Campbell, the tight end commitment, sort of retweeted it, sort of uh, endorsed it as well. So uh, everybody thinking that, uh, the team and the locker room is coming unraveled and the recruiting class is going to follow. Uh, only time is going to tell, but at, at least you have um, one of your high-profile guys in Salter. I don't, he might be their – no, Terrence Lewis is their top-ranked guy, but uh, Salter's one of their top-ranked guys. And obviously with the quarterback situation, what it is at Tennessee, a, an important one to hold on to. Uh, him saying that, and, and this isn't the first time he's, I think, tweeted or uh, told Ryan Callahan something along those lines. Uh, that that's good. And that's something that uh, it's good that we started off this podcast talking about that because the rest of it's going to be kind of, kind of, kind of meh. Yeah. And, and if you're Salter, I, I think you can look at this and you can see, you know, we talk about all the time, you know, do kids want to join something that looks like it, you know, it's having a hard time or it could be a sinking ship or something of that sort. No, obviously they don't. Uh, but kids also like seeing playing time, Pat. And, and I think that if you're Caden Salter and you're looking at, Tennessee's offense you're thinking you know there's some players there um the recruiting classes have been pretty good and now I might be able to step in here and start as a freshman so that that's got to be pretty intriguing I think yeah uh Tennessee's quarterback situation is very up in the air and um anytime you can get more talented players in your program it's 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 a good sign and like you said I think Salter is really really good I mean I watched his film and I was just really kind of blown away I think he's had a couple big games uh, down there, he's playing in Texas. He's playing, I think, in a pretty big classification. Mm-hmm. So he's he's playing against a pretty good competition level, um, and, and he's putting up some numbers and having some good performances. Now, like any freshman quarterback, he'll he'll be maybe a little bit rougher on the edges, um, you know, when he gets to Tennessee. But uh, um, it, it, he's he's a big, I think, 
I don't want to say ace in the hole because that's probably putting too much on him before he's even stepped on campus. But um, he, he's a big figure in the future, uh, in, in the long term future of this program potentially. So um, if he's still on board and being positive, then uh, that's obviously welcome news for Tennessee. And, and I and I get the sense that you know as excited as Tennessee was. Uh, and still is to have Harrison Bailey, I'm detecting at least as much excitement, if not more, about the Salter kid. I think he's someone who uh, they just really, really feel good about and they're happy to have in their program. There's been no voices of dissent anywhere. There's been no one on the staff ever saying, you know, I'm not sure. I don't like this part of the game here. This is going to be an issue. I'm not hearing uh, anything but good things about that. So that's certainly big news for Tennessee. They'd like to get him signed, sealed, and delivered because uh, he's supposed to be here in January, But uh, and that would be big for spring ball. You know, That would give him a, a chance to get himself in the mix quicker. Uh, but, you know, that's that's clearly something we're going to have to uh, to keep watching. Now the uh, not quite as good news for Tennessee, um, and I think this is something to watch throughout the league, throughout all of college sports right now. We've been saying for a couple weeks, look at these numbers, look at these COVID numbers. There is very clearly another wave that that's coming or is here already, depending on what your definition of wave is. And, and I know it's a controversial topic with some people, but it is news. And so we have to discuss this. Uh, the Mississippi State Auburn game uh, for this weekend, uh, coming this coming weekend, has been canceled or, or postponed, I should say, uh, because of COVID-19. Mississippi State's having some issues, uh, some pretty significant issues right now. And then you hear a couple of other things. One, uh, Arkansas released Monday that Sam Pittman, its head coach, uh, former Tennessee assistant, uh, did test positive for COVID-19. He will not be able to coach Arkansas's next game uh, because he won't be able to make it back from protocol in time. Unless unless he has the uh, Sam Pittman or the Nick Saban facility, testing facility, right? That's true. Uh, you do have to have, I think, uh, in order to come back, you have to have been – you have to test negative three times, including twice in a 24-hour period, and then you can be cleared. So if this was a false positive and if they can uh, – I, I, you know, I, we'll see where that goes. Uh, but as it stands right now, he would not be able to coach the Razorbacks next weekend. Uh, and then more – that's pertinent for Tennessee. Equally pertinently for Tennessee right now, uh, Texas A&M uh, was not, is not going to practice on Monday. Uh, the, the Aggies have had to put a pause on all football activities for the day. They're doing Zooms, as Pat and I are doing them now. Uh, they're doing their meetings in Zoom. It's funny, 2020 is making us call meetings Zooms. Like we don't even really use the word meeting. Like I got a meeting with this guy. It's like yeah, I got a Zoom with this guy. All right, I got a Zoom with this gal. That that's what we're saying now. But uh, there have been, uh, I think Pat, you said three. Was that the update number three positive tests uh, ongoing right now for the Aggies? Correct. Uh, and before I get to that, uh, Auburn, the Auburn Mississippi State game is pertinent because Tennessee plays Auburn next yes. uh, on the twenty first, and so. Uh, Auburn is looking at a situation where they will have gone three weeks between games because they were off this past weekend. Now they're getting an extra week off. So uh, they'll have two open open dates before playing Tennessee, and it'll be their first game um, since they beat the doors off of LSU. So maybe um, they got rusty. Maybe. Uh, but, who, you know, who knows in this weird season. Um, but apparently just reading some stuff on Twitter right now, apparently Mississippi State was like one player from having to cancel the Vanderbilt game or postpone the Vanderbilt game this past week. So And they didn't want to do that because uh, that's a win. Yeah, I think I think they might have been playing. Probably, and if that was the case, they were probably playing with fewer scholarship guys than Vanderbilt was, and still managed to what they win that game twenty four seventeen. I think. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, so that's the situation there. Texas A and M, as you mentioned, they they are doing 
they suspended or paused any in-person um, football activity on Monday. Um, they had a player starting safety, Damani Richardson, tested positive before the South Carolina game. Um, and, and he was not going to be back out of the 10-day protocol to play against Tennessee anyway. But then um, they had, according to Jim Fisher, they had one other player uh, and one other, I think, support staff person test positive um, from Sunday. Or they got positive results back from Sunday's round testing. To recap, I don't know if we've touched on this very much, but the SEC testing three days a week, you're testing Sunday, you're testing Tuesday, and you're testing Thursday. Um, and so that's why there's been so much of this news. Today, uh, Jimbo Fisher said he didn't think that the Tennessee game was in jeopardy. Obviously, that'll be something to monitor, but uh, I'm sure they'll be doing more testing, maybe an, an extra test or two, and, and obviously some of the contact tracing to determine uh, if they need to quarantine any other guys. But uh, And another refresher on the uh, – the, th- the thresholds with the roster. I think it's 53, right? Scholarship players and it's scholarship players. Yes. Not just players. Yes. Um, I and think the limits are what seven offensive linemen, four interior defensive linemen and a quarterback, uh, one, one quarterback. So, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't necessarily have to be a widespread player, you know, a bunch of players that are out is it could potentially be one position. Uh, we're seeing that with LSU. I don't know if we, did we mention that? Did you mention LSU's game against Alabama's? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. No. There's some reports out there that LSU is down to one scholarship quarterback. Of course, Miles Brennan, Miles Brennan is hurt, um, but they're also down, I think, heavily at tight end, and even maybe uh, they might not even have a long snapper at this point. So um, it's been sort of a, a weird week, and uh, some of these teams, I think LSU already has had the, a game postponed to December 12th. So if, if that Alabama game gets postponed, what you know, the SEC sort of in a pickle there because they're going to have to, you know. They don't have any more. They don't really have a place to move that game, and, and yeah, and it's and not now, it's, now they get into trouble. And it's not like basketball where you can schedule a kind of back to back as a one time deal and get over it. I mean, football games take you know at least a week, at least six days to to really kind of get prepared for. So you know, I mean, I mean that 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 makes it that makes it pretty tough. I don't know exactly how they would handle that, but the the important thing I think for now, Pat is, uh, and I need to mention this too. Uh, this is and this is fresh as of we're recording this right now. It's about uh, ten till four Eastern on Monday when you and I are recording this. And I got word about an hour ago that Tennessee has had zero positive tests uh, from its round of Sunday tests, which is nice because you know Sam Pittman obviously interacted with some of the players not for fifteen minutes like the CDC says. Uh, he had a mask on, so so all that stuff was was okay. But still, that's a concern because, you know, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, well, if Pittman gave it to an Arkansas player, an Arkansas player could have given it to a Tennessee player. And we'll see. I mean, I think there will clearly be hesitation for Tennessee, some anxiety going into every round of tests this week as a result of that because sometimes it takes a few days uh, to kind of, you know, incubate or whatever and get in there. But um, the good news is now it's still been at least six weeks since anyone in the Tennessee program has a confirmed positive test case. There were some uh, this time last week. Uh, from la- the the Sunday round of tests after the open date, but uh, those were false positives. The subsequent tests proved that. So right now, Tennessee still seems to be in okay shape. A and M uh, will have to wait and see how many more positive tests they have. But but 
as of now, it, it looks like this this game could uh, still be played. So uh, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, even Michigan State, you know, basketball coach Tom Izzo, uh, you know, there was released today that he had tested positive for COVID-19. There's clearly another wave of this thing going around right now, and that makes you a little bit anxious because of the, the cold weather. Uh, thank God we got some good news from Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, on Monday, uh, saying that they were 90%, uh, more than 90% effective on their most recent round of uh, trials there for the vaccine. But that's still going to take months and months to get to the average American. So people need to keep taking this thing very seriously. And you may not want to do it. I'm sick of wearing the damn thing, to be honest with you. But we just have to do everything we can if we want to have something that looks sort of normal. Because I'm afraid that we're staring down the barrel of another round of kind of locking things down for a bit. And, you know, that's going to make it hard to play sports. It just is. And um, imagine what we're doing now. Pat, you remember when we didn't have, like, any live sports in America there for a long time? Uh, It it was kind of – it wasn't bad for a couple weeks. But then you're like, man, what are we going to do? We all made it through that, though. We did, but now that we've had a taste of it back again, to go back into that, I don't know, man. And it's 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 to be in the winter too. It's when you get that seasonal affective disorder crap going around. I get that, man. I hate it when it gets dark early. Fortunately, most of us are healthier than you are. Knock on wood. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the. That's true, but I'm also talking about the uh, just you know the 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 winter kind of sadness and ugh, well, that goes around. The winter does kind of suck. Um, it, it's it's beautiful today here in Knoxville. Yes. Um, and it's going to be warm all week. But uh, one thing about those uh, those positive false positive Tennessee had last week is some of those guys were on the offensive line. I think even Will Friend was one of them. And I think Philip Fulmer got his coaching net back on and, and coached, coached the offensive line during practice last week uh, on Monday. So, so that was uh, – so people are asking, is that against the rules? Can you do that? Why isn't he doing that now since they're down a coach? I don't really know. It's probably, it's probably a COVID rule, you know, that you can – you know, you need people to – you, know, you need people to coach your your guys during the week if you have coaches out. So, Correct. Uh, I, I don't know. There might be a set of rules that kind of throws all that stuff out the window. I don't know, but it happened. Well, we'll see. As of now, again, it's nearly 4 o'clock Eastern now on Monday. As we're recording this, things look at least okay for now for Tennessee and A&M going into this game, uh, at least in terms of COVID. Now, when you look at the matchups themselves – Things don't look as good for Tennessee. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to step away, take a quick break, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and then we're going to come back and we're going to get down, back down to brass tacks, talk a little football, uh, talk a little Tennessee A&M football, and uh, what's going on with the Vols right now. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the go vols 24 7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio here on a monday afternoon from an undisclosed location an undisclosed part of the 865 area code, the Knoxville, Knox County area. We've got Patrick Brown talking Tennessee football. Uh, Not just Tennessee football, but, you know, unfortunately, Tennessee football and COVID and other things that are just not fun, but that's okay. Uh, We will move forward and do that. Before we get to uh, Tennessee A&M talk, I'll, I'll remind everyone again or ask everyone again to please, please, please go in there and rate and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do that will help us more than subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. If you could do that, that would be great. We, we've we got this. Now, if you just listen to it when it's on, when we put it there on the site, that's fine. That, that's no problem. We, we appreciate that. But what would really help us, go in there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever in the wide world that you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, and there's nothing you can do that'll help us more and grow the Wolfpack more than rating and reviewing this podcast. We might do some giveaway stuff based on there on the road. I'm telling you, we might. Uh, and, and we listen to, to, to you know topic suggestions on there. Uh, if there's things that you like, if there's things that you don't like, I don't think we can change our voices, you know, so that's unfortunate for y'all out there. But there's lots of topics we can get into. Uh, if, there's, if there's something you want to hear, something you'd like to see us dive into, uh, just let us know. We'll be happy to do that. That's why we do this thing. Um, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, Pat, I, I do think we need to look at this because we said going into the season that there were sort of levels in the SEC, right? We said that we thought going into the season, at least I, I think you did. I know I did. I know a lot of other people did. That there was a level that had Bama and Georgia, and then there was a level behind that that maybe had, you know, we didn't know what LSU was going to look like. New A&M in Florida could be pretty good. Didn't know what to think about Auburn. But but we had all those teams on like a second tier um, kind of, and maybe even Tennessee. We had a kind of a second tier right there behind those top two. Well, now we got to flip that on its head. Um, because Florida is back. I hate people. The I hate that people are going to have to hear that because they are don't they, want are to. Are they really back? Like Texas, like Texas is back. Or are they like? I don't know, man. With the Kyle, that's a joke against the Longhorns. That's true. Uh-huh. That's very true. But I mean, you know, say what you will about Dan Mullen. That dude is weird. He is occasionally just 
you know, just inept in terms of social graces, but that dude can coach football, uh, especially offensive football. And Florida kind of took it to Florida down there uh, in Jacksonville, or took it to Georgia. Good, good call, Pat. Took it to Georgia down there in Florida in Jacksonville over the weekend. And Texas A&M, you know, did lose to Alabama, kind of got waxed by Alabama early in the season. Also barely beat Vanderbilt to open the season, which is still just shocking. Um, But then, you know, held off Florida, beat Florida at home in a really fun game, which is a huge win, as everybody can see now. Um, Then beat State, uh, beat Arkansas by a little bit more than that score suggested, and then waxed South Carolina and Columbia over the weekend at 48-3. And this team is dangerous, Pat. This team, I don't know that it's right there with Bama yet. I think we can still clearly see that Bama's kind of by itself maybe right now, other than Florida maybe right there around that. We'll see. But but Well, well, Texas A&M beat Florida, so that has to be taken into account. So for me, Texas A&M is the second-best team in the SEC because – that's, that, that's a fair uh, point. Just, I think it's some, you know, you can't overly use the transitive property in every sense uh, for college football, but in some cases it applies. And uh, I think it applies in this case. Texas A&M has looked really good. Um, you know, they spent all that money on Jimbo Fisher. And then the first two years, what were they like eight and five, nine and four? Yeah. You know, they, they were, they, they kind of beat the teams they were supposed to, then were kind of intermittently competitive against uh, the other teams in the league. I mean, I think LSU beat them 50 to seven last season. Of course, LSU was beating everybody bad last season. So I'm not sure that's necessarily a great uh, comparison, but um, I, I think even uh, reading up on them going into the season, I think there was only one game where based on what they did, based on what the spread was that they went against, you know, the favorite didn't win. So they, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, beating who they were supposed to beat and losing to all you know the good teams. Remember they played Clemson twice too. So, um, but this is, but this is, uh, they've, they've played, uh, you know, they've assigned what two top 10 recruiting classes the past, you know, Jimbo's first two classes there were, I think maybe fourth and sixth. So, um, you know, they've injected some talent. They have a lot of experience. Um, they have one of the most experienced offensive lines in the SEC. Kellen Mond is, is obviously been around. Uh, it seems like he's been there forever. Um, and they've got a lot of good young players too. Um, I think you're seeing that with Isaiah Spiller. Their running back is pretty good. Uh, they got some some players in the in the secondary that are young, that are talented. So um, it, it's all sort of come together for them. And and after they kind of uh, were a little bit sketchy to open the season with, you know, they barely beat Vanderbilt, and then you know Alabama beat them pretty good. Since then, they've been just about unstoppable. Um, and that has to be a scary proposition for Tennessee right now. Because these yeah. are two teams going in, in very different directions this season. Yeah, and, and you know the the thing about this the, this A and M team when you watch them, I'm trying to pull up some of the stats now. As you can tell, I accidentally triggered the uh, smart home device here in the studio just a second ago when I hit the wrong button. Uh, but but I'm I'm trying to bring up some of these stats here. Uh, but A and M is very very exciting offensively. Uh, this is a team, you know, Kellen Mond, as you said, Pat, been there forever. A guy who is a good football player, at least in terms of talent. I mean, the dude is big. Uh, he can run a little bit. He's got a, a hell of an arm. And, you know, that, that they've got some guys on offense that um, are scary. Uh, they've got some guys who, who, who I look at Spiller and Smith as guys who uh, could really, really, really give Tennessee problems. And they've got a couple other guys who, can, who are capable of doing that too. But, I mean, they're, they're – uh, they, they've got weapons. They spread the field. They'll throw some tempo at you. Uh, and the way Tennessee is covering the middle of the field in the passing game, 
that is to me that's a huge concern because a and is going to do they're going to they're going to spread the field and if they spread it out and they can run it a little bit to open up some of that rpo stuff the play action stuff uh they they could they could really 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 put it on tennessee in this game and and I just I think Tennessee would have to play a really 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 good really good offensive game or defensive game to keep these guys below thirty points. Yeah, and it's not just the middle of the field that, that Tennessee's struggling to defend. I mean, they gave up a couple of uh, deep passes over the top against Arkansas too. Where, yeah, if t- Taylor comes back. I think maybe that'll uh, help a little bit. But yeah, but I mean, you know, you just uh, it, it's hard to find what Tennessee is doing well, really, in any aspect right now. I mean, it, it, that's that's the point where we're at with this team is. Uh, you know, they ran the ball pretty well in the first half against yep. Arkansas. You know, the kickers and the punters are, you know, I think Smaglia, Brent Smaglia announced that he's back. Um, and Paxton Brooks has been solid all season. Other than that, I mean, what are they doing really well? They, you know, they got it for the quarterback a little bit there in the fourth quarter against Arkansas. But, um, and, and really, you know, that's maybe being a little bit too harsh. They, they were pretty solid defensively. I, I would say they played well enough defensively to win a game for three quarters against Arkansas. And then the, but the problem is that the third quarter was just such an epic disaster. It was, but I mean, uh, they only gave up 24 points in the game and not a crazy amount of total yardage. So when you look at the balance of play over 60 minutes, I mean, they, they gave themselves a chance defensively at least, but the offensively, it's just a mess. Uh, you know, it's well into, uh, it, it's well into Jeremy Pruitt's third season and his second season with Jim Chaney. And they're still devoid of any kind of identity. You know, we finally did see some wrinkles the other night. The other night, with you know, they motioned Bayless Jones in the backfield and got him the ball, just handed it to him. You know, that was something we hadn't seen. They had Eric Gray lined up in a wildcat. They didn't actually get to run the play, but it was a new wrinkle. You know, they used Cooper Mays just as a tight end a couple of times. Um, they had a sort of a I'm not sure what you call it, but the it's kind of the option play that looks like a broken play, but it's not. You know, where they kind of like hold the ball out like it's going to be a regular run, and then they run the option. I think it's probably a counter option of some kind. You know, we saw that a couple of times, but. Just, I mean, just a lack of inventiveness other than those things. Um, just really conservative play calling on offense. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, going against this Texas A&M offense would be a tough proposition for uh, anybody right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, what, what is their last few games? 48 against South Carolina, 42 against Arkansas. Yep. Uh, I think they got 28 against Mississippi State. What is the other game I'm missing in there? Um, Let's look here. You know, 24 oh. against Alabama. You know, it's not like you have to score forty to beat Tennessee right now either. I mean, you could probably score uh, twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, scored thirty. Uh, scored yeah, scored forty one to beat Florida. There you go. So forty over forty in three of their last four games, right? Yep. I mean, and like I said, it's not you know they can score twenty eight and probably feel pretty good about their chances of beating Tennessee the way Tennessee's offense is just is in disarray right now. So uh, I I don't know. It's a it's a tough proposition. Um, it's hard to feel much confidence about where Tennessee is going, particularly going into this game. Um, but I guess if there is a silver lining to the rest of the season is that you've got three games there that if you win them, if you win one of them, like you've got some semblance of hope, you know what I mean? So you're going to get A&M, you're going to get Florida at home. You're going to get Auburn on the road. You know, Jeremy Pruitt's had a pretty good track record against Auburn. You win one of those games. I'm not saying it salvages your whole season. And I'm also not going to, I'm not going to pick Tennessee to win any of these games at this point, but, uh, those opportunities are there to sort of get things fast track things to get it back on the right track but uh it seems like a pretty uphill task to think that it's going to uh that it's going to happen uh, this week 
Well, I think we'll we'll wrap this up here in just a few minutes by talking about the, the quarterback situation because you know Garantano is technically day to day, you know, with the concussion or, or head you know, concussion related symptoms, some sort of a head injury. According to Doctor Doctor Pruitt, he got his bell rung. Yeah, got his bell rung a little bit, got stung a little bit. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But I want to talk about something that if you're looking, if you're a Tennessee fan and you're you're looking for some hope in this game, if you're looking for for anything that says you know what, maybe maybe things will be okay, Jeremy Pruitt. And uh, Jimbo Fisher know each other pretty well. Uh, they've gone against each other. Pruitt has coached for Fisher. They won a national championship together uh, down there at Florida State. And that sort of knowledge that coaches have against each other, I think that is something that matters. I, I think maybe we talk about it too much, but I do think it matters. And I don't think people think about it much with Pruitt and Fisher, and they probably should. And if you want an example for, for why things, wh- what kind of changes that can make, I said going into last week that I was concerned about Tennessee's offense for many reasons against Arkansas, but one of the biggest was that Jim Chaney uh, and Sam Pittman know each other very, very well. Uh, They're very close friends. Their families are are close. They know a lot about each other, and they've worked together. And Tennessee changed up its offensive signals last week. Tennessee went to some of those placards uh, to call some plays, did stuff that it hadn't done all season, and Pruitt admitted on Monday that they did that because of how well Sam Pittman knows Jim Chaney's offense, how well he knows the signals, how well he knows the the trends. So they changed up a lot of things, basically, to count to counter that. And, you know, A&M, what they're doing on offense right now, they've got some playmakers that are going to make plays against anybody. But I do think we know Jimbo's an offensive coach. We know Pruitt's a defensive coach. And we saw a couple years ago uh, when Jeremy Pruitt played a guy that he knew really well in Gus Malzahn that he had a good plan. And I wonder if going into this game, this is going to be something where Tennessee could be in maybe, maybe, maybe better shape than we think in order to, to know what's coming and kind of contain some of this stuff? I don't know. I think you're going on a limb there, Wes. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I might be. I'm not. I'm not just trying to. Because I sound. know you well doesn't mean that if you're if you're better at something than I am that it's going to help me at all. I mean, that's true. But it, just, but if you know what's coming, it gives you a better chance. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that, Wes. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't think that familiarity is going to play uh, a little bit of uh, going to make a bit of a difference at all this week. I think A and M is a much better team than Tennessee is right now. Uh, they're playing better. They're executing better. Tennessee just cannot get out of its own way. Um, even if they have guys in position, this is one of those games where A&M has better players. You know, sometimes, too many times this season, I think Tennessee has given up stuff, particularly on defense, where they've not made the other team earn it. Texas A&M has guys that if you even if you are in position, they you know they'll earn it because they've got guys who can make make you miss tackles in the second and third level. They've got receivers who can stretch the field and, and, and beat man coverage. They've got a quarterback who's cooking right now. Um, and and who's not doing a lot of wrong. And, and Texas A&M's offensive line has only given up, I think, going to last week, it was two sacks on the whole season. So uh, he's had time to sit back there and, and find his guys and make big plays. And, um, you know, and, and that's the biggest problem for Tennessee, sort of shifting this to the quarterbacks, is everybody in SEC scoring a lot of points right now. You yep, know? yep, yep. Um, and, and you've made this point a lot. I just kind of I just kind of threw you under the bus there. I'm going to point you, you know, you've been saying for a while that, you know, you have to be able to score in this in this day and age of college football you can't um, manage games you can't manage games you, anymore yeah you, you you can't win games um 20 to 17 anymore you know you have to be able to score to win and tennessee can't score right now because they don't they either don't know what they are on offense or if they do know what they are they don't trust their quarterbacks to go and and make them be what they should you know 
want to be. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it doesn't really matter what, how Texas, Tennessee's offense lines up, you know, what, what Texas A&M's defense looks like. I think that's been a pretty solid group though. They only gave up three points to South Carolina. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to find many positives, but uh, you're going to have to be able to score in this game. You're going to have to be able to score to beat Auburn. I think you're going to have to be able to score to beat Florida. You know, Florida and Texas A&M are two of the best offenses in this conference. And that's not a team that, uh, you know, you're going to be putting a whole lot on, on your defense, which hasn't been very good all season to try to keep you in that game if you don't come up with something on offense. And so, you know, is this the week that Harrison Bailey gets the call? We'll see. I, I don't um, – Tennessee's hand may be forced if, if Carantano is still in the, in the protocol. But um, e- even if he – even if he's able to play, I would be very tempted to just try something new. Uh, and I get why they've been protective of Harrison Bailey this season. I get why they don't want to play him too soon before he's ready. Uh, I think there's credence to that. But, um, you know, if you're not going to – I mean, they didn't trust Garantano to do much the other – you know, the other night. He only threw eight passes. Um, and it was working for a while. But um, I just – you, you got to sort of throw – all conserve, you know, all conservativity out of out of the water if you're going to try to to win these games. Yeah, and, and I think you know, Pat disagreeing with me doesn't mean you're throwing me under the bus. It means that we might see something differently. I think it would be if all four of us always thought the same thing. What fun would any of this be? You know, I mean, uh, I, I'm typically a little bit more. I don't want to say positive, but uh, I, I mean, I, I'm being super negative by basically saying I don't think Tennessee has any chance to win this game. Uh, so, you know, that makes me the bad guy. Yeah, you know the only so reason. No, the only reason that that stops me short of that right now, and we can probably talk about this later in the week in a podcast. But the only thing that stops me is that is that I don't know just how much I trust A and M right now to not throw up a dud. Um, it's not like this thing has gotten to the part where they, they've been so consistently good that you just don't think it's possible um, that they'll kind of collapse a little bit. You know, I think that's. There is potential for that. I, I don't. I don't know that I trust A and M yet to just be like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to see from the Aggies every week. But you know that again, what I'm talking about here is uh, if you're saying zero percent chance, I'm saying like a one or two percent chance. Like I'm not. I'm not saying I think it's going to go well because I don't. I look at the trends here and I say every game's its own game. Every sixty minutes is its own sixty minutes. Every snap is its own snap. I get it. Anything can happen. But um, you can see the trends right here. And, and that's scary. And, and what I talked about, you know, or what we talked about to the game, Pat, I know that we, we gave you that uh, pot off because that was such a, a late hour and you had so much ridiculous travel to do. Um, but I think that getting your input on this would be good because after the game, you know, I said that we used to say, or I used to say, that the concern I had when, when Pruitt got to Tennessee, other than the obvious, which is that he'd never been a head coach, which is a concern. Uh, it just It just is. Other than that, my concern was, you know, I don't know that you can do necessarily what Bama and Georgia do, but do it better without better players than them. And I don't know how you get to that top level um, by doing what they do because you're going to be wanting a lot of the same players, and right now they're going to get them. They're going to get better ones than you are overall. So you're kind of putting yourself in a position there where the best case scenario is that you establish yourself sort of in that second tier in the league, which wouldn't be a bad thing. That would be a good step in the right direction. Um, But right now the question's different because Tennessee has very clearly fallen out of that second tier. Uh, We talked about this. 
Tennessee needed to reestablish itself above uh, the Vandys, Kentuckys, you know, states, Ole Misses, South Carolinas, Arkansas of the world before it started looking up at the Bamas and the Georgias and the Floridas of the world. We 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 thought that Tennessee was on its way to firmly putting itself back in that second tier. Now we have to sit back and say that has not happened. It has not. Tennessee has taken a step backward this season. So what can you do offensively with what you have to put points on the board? Because you're going to give up some points. Even good defenses in this era are giving up points. And and you cannot, you might win a game 20 to 17 occasionally, but you cannot go into games expecting to score less than 30 or 35 points and win anymore. You just can't do it. And and, And when I look at what they're trying to do offensively, I don't see how they get there doing what they're doing with what they're doing it with. Yeah, I mean, I, what is their identity on offense, West? We don't know. I mean, we hear we hear Pruitt talking on Monday about wanting to be more aggressive and uh, thinking that they have playmakers they can take advantage of on the outside. And it's like, well, then, then do it. But then at the same time, you're like, well, you know, they're pretty – this offensive line does have a tendency to be pretty good. I mean, they control the line of scrimmage for, you know, in the first half uh, of that game, and that was a run defense. They should have controlled the line of scrimmage against Arkansas. Is not yeah. particularly great at stopping the run, but – uh, they they played harder in the second half and, and were able to get stops. Plus, I think everybody in the stadium knew that Tennessee didn't have a lot of trust in any either Harrison Bailey or Brian Maurer when they were in the game. So, um, you know, what, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a run first offense? I mean, if you're going to go in a different direction, then you might you you know you might have to change coordinators and who you're going to you know if you're if you're Jimmy Pruitt and you're on the hot seat going into your you know uh, into your fourth year. You know who who are you going to get that's that's going to be quality? I mean, are, are, is and is he he's you know we all know he's old school in his in his approach. Is he going to go for somebody that that does some of the stuff that Kendall Bryles we saw him do? Um, I mean, Saban to, Saban did that with Kiffin. I mean, he he did it, 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 but it was a different situation, but he did it. And, and that's not to say you know, and it's really odd though because you know Jim Cheney has been a successful offensive coordinator just about everywhere he's everywhere he's gone. Yep. Uh, and, and Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Hansley are you know, defensive, you know, really good defensive minds that if it doesn't work out at Tennessee, it's, you know, they won't be on the market very long. No, they will not. Um, they absolutely and so will not. You're right. It just, it just, it just seems, it just seems odd that these coaches who, you know, have pretty good track records of it, you know, they didn't just forget what they were doing over, you know, how to coach overnight. Right. I mean, it's just, that's why it's, uh, that's why it's really kind of curious what's happened this year. Why something, you know, it just seems off. There's a disconnect. I don't know if it's, um, I don't. I don't know if there's a lack of leadership among the team. Uh, I think there very clearly is because this team has been very bad at responding to adversity all season. And how how disappointing and, and, is that, Pat? How disappointing is that? Knowing what we know about some of those guys, how disappointing uh, I mean, is that? Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it's you know, we we there are some guys that have sort of those alpha personalities, but you look at the guys that, that left. I mean, John Jennings. You know, th- there's not one of those guys on this team. I'm not sure there's a Nigel Warrior or a Daryl Taylor on this team. I'm not sure there's a Daniel Batuli on this team. There are some guys that have leadership capabilities, but uh, most importantly, they don't have a guy that can step up and make a play mm-hmm. right now. They, you know, uh, if you, you know, if, if Tennessee has Jawan Jennings on this team, then you know Arkansas's got the momentum to come out of halftime. I'm throwing the ball at 15, and he's gonna he's gonna make eight guys tackle him, and pick up 15 yards. Mm-hmm give you know grab some of that juice back they don't have that guy right now 
or or I mean, da- they, or Daryl Taylor or, would go just light up a quarterback and get everybody fired or, up. Or you know, you know, and so they they don't have that guy right now that can they can just throw the ball to and he makes a play. Now they might have some of those guys. They might be freshmen and sophomores. So uh, and just aren't to the point where they're ready to, to do that in a big moment in a game. So um, and they're just there's some 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 sort of disconnect. I mean, you can just everybody saw it happen. I mean, it, it looked like Arkansas. Um, in the second half was the team that was playing a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt that way in the stadium. Um, and Tennessee, you know, Tennessee it, never it, punched back. Tennessee got and, and, Tennessee got punched, and it sat there and took it. And and you contrast how that stadium and how that team felt about their direction to what Tennessee did. I mean, you know, middle of fourth quarter, Arkansas fans are chanting Sam Pittman's name, and meanwhile, I'm reading our, our message board, and you know. Nobody's chanting Jeremy Pruitt's name except they're for the word fire behind it or in front of it. So, um, and, and you know, that, that's, and, and you know, what gets back to some of this and, and, and I'll end on this, Pat, I think we can probably end on this. I, I, I think that it, 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 it's, I hate to keep pointing in this direction because football is the football is not my favorite sport, but I think it's the best team sport on the planet. Um, and I, I love football. There's just other sports I love more, but football is the most consummate team sport. You have to have, uh, especially on offense, you got to have 11 guys doing their job. You really do. That's a cliche, but it is 100% true. On defense, you can maybe get away with some stuff here and there if you got an eraser, but offensively, you really can't do that. Um, you know, you got to have guys execute. But so many things that are happening right now with Tennessee start from the same place, and that is that Tennessee is not good at quarterback. It's just not. And it, you, if you want to win right now, but saying in this era, the quarterback situation is the only problem is way oversimplifying. No, it. I agree, but that's that's that that was half of what I was saying because I've always said that if you want to win, oh, Pat, I'm sorry, I cut you off. My bad. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. To win right now with the way football is and the many as many points as people are scoring and, and the tempo people are playing with, if you want to win, you better be really, really damn good at quarterback, or you better be really, really damn good everywhere else. I mean, everywhere else. Like, if you don't have a, a, a really good quarterback, you need to have a great line. You need great receivers. You need great tight ends. You need great running backs. Or if you want to offset some of those other deficiencies, have a really good quarterback, and he'll lift the people around him up to play at a higher level. That's how you do it. And right now, Tennessee, so far as I can tell, there is no evidence to suggest that Tennessee is either of those things. And I don't know how you fix that in any short of short order. I I, I, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I mean, they they, they got to try to find a way to – make something out of not a whole lot. I mean, that's just kind of where they're at right now. That's the, uh, the situation they've created for themselves at quarterback and, and elsewhere. And, um, it, you know, the quarterback situation is what it is. Um, but there, there's so many other places where Tennessee's not playing as well as it should. Um, and, and that's, what's also most disappointing, uh, that, and there's just, uh, the, mo- the most damning stat. I wrote this in the report card, uh, is the second half scoring, that that is like is that not a direct reflection on coaching? I mean, if you're getting outscored 88 to seven in the second half of uh, of the past four games, you haven't scored. It's bad in the second half in three or four games. I mean, I, I don't know how. No, I I think I, I don't think, know how you explain that other than the coaching staff is just not getting it done. 
I think people make more of halftime adjustments in, in some cases than it's worth. I do think they're important, but I think in, in this day and age, you get two, three-minute long TV timeouts all throughout a game. You you can be connected to everyone through headset throughout the entire game if you want. You can talk to your quarterback. You can show them stuff. There's stuff you can you can get fixed pretty quickly, and I don't think it's just about people are talking about halftime adjustments, halftime adjustments, halftime adjustments. I think people talk about it too much. But in this case, when it is this bad, I, I don't know what else you can say other than whatever they're doing at halftime is not working. I mean, they have some depth now, a little bit, don't they? Not not a ton of depth, but they've got a, more depth than they've had before. Well, it's just that, that, that it's just that is either is either group that good. Well, that that doesn't have anything to do with your outside linebacker not rushing when he's supposed to, and a quarterback having all day to throw a sixty-yard touchdown. Uh, depth has nothing to do with uh, a guy gets gives up inside leverage on a slant for the thirty-third time in a row. Yeah. Uh, it has nothing to do with you know two year offensive linemen get pushed in the backfield on third and two, you know that that's not that has nothing to do with depth and talent. That's just execution and the other team wanting it more than you. Um, yes, yeah, some some of those RPOs are just really killing Tennessee, and I know they're difficult uh, to defend. That's why offenses run them, but they got to do better. Yeah, and I mean this just it, this does hasn't looked like a well coached football team really since the first two games of the season. Yep, um, and that that's what's disappointing, um, and. You know, you can say until you're blue in the face that it's fixable, that we're working hard, but at some point you got to go out there and do it. And I think the staff knows that. I mean, I don't think I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is, you know, I know those coaches and, and players tend to get in a bubble when they're in the complex during the season, but uh, I mean, they know that they're not supposed to be losing to Kentucky and Arkansas in year three. I, mean, his, I, yeah, I don't think his, that was the plan going in there. His head's not in uh, the sand at all. But in terms of the big picture you have to take some of this stuff into, you have to take what's going on this year and and, into context has to matter. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know everybody's going through the same thing and all that. And and clearly Tennessee hasn't handled it very great, but um, I mean, you you have to take that into consideration, don't you? Especially for, you know, and this is the, this is the pitch if you're Pruitt that you're making to Philip Fulmer is that I, you know, this is clearly a, a coach and a staff that believe in player development. And when you take a spring away from them and you, you have the camp that they did, they, you know, that that's what he's going to point to. Uh, is it an excuse? It, it might be. Uh, there's no excuse. Uh, there's probably some validity to it, but there's also, you know, that you're, you're not going out there making the same mistakes in game six in early November because of what happened in the fall. And it's easier. You know I mean? It's easier. It's easier to stomach what happened against Georgia and Alabama if, if you didn't also lose to Kentucky and Arkansas, it's just well, a, it, that changes. It just changes the conversation because Arkansas has a first year coach with new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Um, experience and they're guys, executing but, at a higher level, but they're executing at a higher level right now than Tennessee and, and Tennessee, you know, Kentucky's roster is solid. Mark Stoops has done a great job building that thing uh, and, and giving Kentucky a competitive football team every year. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that, but he should not be beating Tennessee, especially in Neyland stadium, especially by that score. You, you just can't sit here and say Kentucky's offense isn't even designed to score that many points. Kentucky's playing the way that makes it hard to win, but Kentucky's being competitive and, and, you know that that's what makes it so hard is is that this team did bring back most of its offensive line. It did bring back its starting quarterback. It did bring back um, a bunch of players on the defensive line. You know, it did bring back one of the most talented young inside linebackers in all of college football. Uh, it brought back two solid, experienced running backs. You know, it, it brought back pieces. It, it did, and, and you have to sit here and say. Why is this happening? And we know, at least I know, that it's happening because, well, they're not very good at quarterback and they're not good enough around the quarterback to help him. 
And then defensively, that's where I'm lost. Offensively, I get it. Defensively, I don't because this staff would these guys would be picked up in the market in like less than two days if they ever got to the market. These guys are really good coaches. And they've got a couple of pieces that are pretty solid players. I, I, I just, that's where I'm lost. None of that seems to be making any kind of sense to me. Offensively is frustrating, but at least I understand some of it. Defensively, Pat, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense how they're struggling on defense, especially in the secondary with some of the guys that they've got, uh, with the experience they have returning. Um, and you know, I, I can't I can't quite figure that one out. Um, it, it goes back to I think there's just there's just something amiss. I don't know what it is. Yep. Um, and we're not like you know we're not you know we're not around the team a whole lot anyway because the access is is what it is. But even this year, you know, we're not at practice. We don't see what they're doing in practice. We don't you know we don't we don't get to see guys body language at, at press conferences or, or off the field. We're never physically we're, games. we're never physically in the building at all. Everything we so, do is talk, yeah. talking to people on the phone. Yeah, and so it, it's it's really tough to to sort of get a finger on uh, what what's going on and what the issues are and, and you know what you know it, it, there's just something amiss. It's something that that's causing a disconnect between uh, I don't know if it's the staff and the players and, and vice versa. I don't know if it's uh, something that they're not doing during the week and that's causing the issues to show up on Saturday. Maybe they practice great during the week, but then they they don't do it on Saturdays for whatever reason. So. Yeah, it's just and, and um, they've got some really tough questions to answer. I think Pruitt does after you know when the season reaches its end, however it end, it, how, however it gets there, um, and and you know it, it, this is not the time to be doing that because I mean you're you're it, it's just it's just the the it's it's the it's the wrong year to have a year like this. Yeah, it is, and the only thing I can say before we step out of here is that. You know, uh, it does look dark right now, and I would say that almost this entire podcast, uh, after the first five or six minutes, has been on topics that are not very fun. But I I will say this, there is still opportunity there. If you are Jeremy Pruitt, if you are Jim Chaney, if you are Jared Garantano, um, injury you know notwithstanding, if you are a member of this football team, you still have time to change this script this season. There will be nothing you can do. Actually, I don't want to say that. If you if you somehow like beat Florida or something like that, that people would probably trade those those losses to Kentucky and Arkansas to beat Florida. If I'm being honest, in a year like this, especially if Florida goes in there with some sort of national title hopes or something, and Tennessee beats them, then you know it changes everything going into the offseason. But um, it does look dark. But I do think we need to we need to point this out because. This is not a situation that they cannot possibly fix. This is a situation they have still got at least, you know, COVID, not, you know, COVID, let's say that everything, they work it out. They've got four games to work this out. They've got four games to show improvement. They've got four games to start building something for next season. Pat, I mean, they they still have, it's not like, I mean, that window's shrinking, uh, but it, it still exists. They, you know, it's not like the door's been locked and deadbolted and, you know, wedged and super glued and, you know, put a dresser behind it. They've still got an opportunity to go out there and do something. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, you got three ranked teams you're going to play, and uh, maybe this is one of those years where anything can happen on Saturdays. You never know. That's uh, You got anything else, Pat? I, I tried to end it without being quite as negative uh, for the people's sake, but you got anything else? No, I think we 
I think we pretty much gloomed, uh, doom and gloomed everybody's Mondays. <laughs> I think we, I think we've we've given everyone an even better right, case everyone. of the Mondays. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything sucks. Uh, the world's let's, terrible. Let's do a mailbag. Let's do a mailbag podcast on Thursday where we like just don't answer any questions about Tennessee football, and we just talk. That's <laughs> it'd be off topic. Be like, thread. It'd be like a, a Wednesdays with Wes for the full staff. We should we should maybe we should maybe do that. Yes. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, man. Yep. So, guys, to wrap it up, in summation, the world is burning. Um, everybody's sick. Tennessee football, struggling. Oh, wait. Hey, basketball starts soon. That's good. Maybe. Knock on wood. I, I'm, I'm, baseball team was good last year. They got a good thing going. Those are, the, those are the positive things I can say. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And you can find Ryan Callahan at Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govols247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247, where, as we promise, we, we promise this all the time, Vladimir Putin will not hack our Facebook page. Take that to the bank. Tons of good stuff on there. Not just Vol stuff on Facebook, mostly Vol stuff, but also some stuff we think Tennessee uh, fans would be interested in, in, in reading. So there's, there's lots of good stuff there. But if you want the best source of Tennessee information on the planet, you want that delicious Smoky Mountain tap water just right there, go get that directly from the source, GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to talk Tennessee or to read about, talk about Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball. Got Lady Vols Sports with Maria Cornelius. Does a great job covering all things Lady Vols for us. And she's got her summit checkerboard on, or her summit message board on there. We've got our checkerboard forum on there where you can talk to us literally 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pretty much one of us is going to be awake at all times, and we're, we can get to you and uh, get your question answered and uh, just be around, be your digital water cooler, your virtual water cooler. And you get that, all of that, all of that for the price of less than one single, solo, individual, mediocre lunch per month. And if you pay us full price, you go ahead and do that, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform where you've got every show in the CBS catalog ever made, commercial-free, new movies every month, live sports, including Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, uh, SEC football, March Madness, NFL, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff, exclusive podcast stuff. Do I need to continue? Oh, wait, I will. You've got also Comedy Central on there. You've got MTV and BET on there. Uh, and for the kiddos, you've got Nickelodeon and Smithsonian. All kinds of good stuff for everybody in the family. $100 annual value in your pocket, no questions asked, for free. How many other places are they just going to give you 100 bucks a year? We're going to do that. That's what we do. It's a great, 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 great deal. And nobody else out there can, can match that. So give us a shot if you do it. Um, we will really appreciate that. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if nothing else, no major breaking news. You will hear from us again uh, on, I'm guessing, Thursday, unless something crazy happens, which, hey, anything could happen right now, guys. But if nothing else, see you Thursday. Bye. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.